What a game last night for Syracuse. A big win in double overtime over Indiana. Tons to talk about on the podcast today. We'll rehash it all. Our takeaways from this one, our MVPs from the game. Lots to discuss. This is going to be a fun one on the Locked on Syracuse podcast. You are Locked on Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. We welcome you on in and thank you for making Lockdown Syracuse your first listen with us every single weekday, Monday to Friday. We're here breaking down Syracuse sports, the only place for daily SU pods out there, totally free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And we are on YouTube as well. And today's episode is brought to you by Sonos. Sonos is the official sponsor of ESPN College Football. Go to Sonos.com. To learn more, Tim Leonard, Tyler Aki, and still jazzed up, still kind of on a high after last night, Ty. That was an awesome basketball game. The whole night of Big Ten ACC Challenge was awesome. I was telling you before we hit record today, like, is that the best night of the Big Ten ACC Challenge that we've seen? That was awesome between the Syracuse game going to double overtime, Duke and Ohio State down goes number one. Even like some of the little games like Ohio, uh, Wake Forest and Northwestern was a nail-biter yeah. that went to OT. Like It was a great day for the Big Ten ACC Challenge, and Syracuse had one of the marquee games of it all. And for them to go out and win this game, obviously, maybe a little bit more of a, some more heart palpitations than some people would have liked in this one. But I'd say so. <laughs> it, was, it was still a, a super entertaining basketball game. And let's be honest, like it was played at a very high offensive level on both ends. Yeah, and that makes for fun basketball. We talked about it a mm-hmm. lot this year. This team is going to be fun at the very least. And it was 88-88 at the end of regulation. It's 112-110 Syracuse wins it. And on a national stage again, Buddy Beheim comes through. He has 27 yeah. points. We'll get into him because I was so impressed with just his killer instinct, playing 50 minutes, the somehow double not overtime. Tired. Yeah. Yeah. See just, what he did in double overtime was immaculate. He played almost a perfect double overtime. And look, I think I undersold. I mean, he's playing like an All-American right now. I was debating whether he was going to end up an All-American. Now, Syracuse probably can't finish 60th in Ken Palm or right around the bubble for him to be an All-American. But gosh, they just total isolation to him. It was clear out the court three or four straight times. Finally, they came over with the double team, but it was too little too late a couple times. And the guy can just get to his spot and not many guys on this team right now for Syracuse can beat dudes off the dribble, but they would get buddy a matchup on a smaller defender. And he was getting to his spot and making shots and doing it while he had to be tired. That's the amazing thing is he was yeah. giving it his 50 all minutes. I mean, the, like 50 minutes, the team has three guards as it is. And for him to go out there 50 minutes and not have those shots come up short and like he had a couple threes come up short in the overtime. He wasn't great shooting the ball from three, actually, in this game. He was three for 11. Not the Buddy Beheim performance you're used to, but the way that he adapted. And I kind of like to say, like, you, they took away his rock for a, a good portion of the second half of this game. They took away his three-pointer. But his paper and scissors were damn good in this game. Get into the basket. Get into that baseline. He was so good in that double overtime. Like you said, they brought out the ISO, and that's kind of something we haven't seen a ton of with him is ISO baseline, and then he gets that shot up over the smaller defender. Usually we see him sort of navigate from that free throw line area, but this is that new dimension to his game now. 
Right. And you need one of those guys, right? Any good yeah. team has that dude. You need a killer. He has fully become that guy. And that's why it was so frustrating for me when at the end of the first overtime, they came out of a timeout and Joe Girard dribbled it around and then chucked up like a 30 footer, which oh my he made some goodness. threes in this game. But yeah. And, and Indiana followed up with maybe an even worse possession. Right. At yeah. The end I was just going to say, uh huh. But I guess let's go back to end of regulation because okay. so many times in this game, it was, you know, you're sitting there when you're watching a game, you're trying to figure out who is going to win, right? Like, what's the momentum? What does this mean? I've got at the Ken Palm win probability meter oh, right gosh, in front of me it it's all been. over the place it's like the the inflatable arms outside the car dealership right, right. now <laughs> yeah so Syracuse is up 18 19 minutes left and you think all right they, this is a good shot they're gonna win then by like the 11 minute mark Indiana is in control of the game pretty much and it was so quick and all of a sudden Indiana is up by three at 63 60 and then Syracuse retakes the lead and I think they got up 11 with four minutes left and you're like okay I, I thought they were going to win before, but now they're definitely going to win because Indiana used all that energy to come back. Trace Jackson Davis just got hurt. I mean, this is just not Indiana's yeah. night all of a sudden. And somehow they come back. And I don't have any problems with fouling when you're up three there. It's right. just you got to get the rebound. That's the right call 100 times out of 100. But you're right. You have to execute in that moment. And to see Benny just sort of get bull rushed, I know people are going to complain about the officiating in this game, especially if they had ended up losing. Was was Benny kind of shoved from behind? Yeah, sure. What Was Trace Jackson Davis maybe going over the back a little bit? What, was there even a foul on that final play of regulation? Uh, it, probably not one that usually gets called, right? But at the end of the day, you put yourself in that situation. You only have yourself to blame. You missed a free throw. You didn't get some timely rebounds here or there. You're letting some shooters get open from the same spot over and over again. You only have yourself to blame in that situation, not the officials. Right. So it's amazing. They score 112 points. They get six points from the bench. And that yeah. was four Frank Anselm free throws when he wouldn't even have been in the game except All for mattered too. Yeah, oh, huge free throws, no doubt. And it's amazing to hear that he changed his free throw routine and stuck with it in those pressure moments and really came through. And credit to Griff on the coaching staff because he's getting a lot out of Jesse Edwards and Frank Anselm in a big moment. Now he did get beat up the court a couple of times. He made some mistakes yeah. on defense. But he makes those four free throws, and he wasn't like a total downgrade. I mean, he was able to hang with Trace Jackson Davis and all made a couple big defensive plays too, and got some good rebounds as well at the end. He wasn't great for pretty much the entire game up until double overtime. But once they got to double overtime, he looked like a great player who was out there and playing like those minutes really mattered to him. And that's a great thing to see for him. Right. And I guess that begs the question, why wasn't he out there to try and box out mm -hmm. Trace Jackson Davis at that last uh, I was thinking the same thing, line? but think about in terms of a physique standpoint, same thing could have happened to him there on that. He could have maybe gotten bull right. It, I would say, no, listen, I, I don't disagree with throw Frank out there. I would just say, get as much size out there on the floor as you can. Um, I also probably would have put Cole Swider uh, on Trace Jackson Davis's side to try to, and again, maybe they're they're going back and forth and all that stuff and trying to create that mismatch advantage. I wasn't really watching the right before the free throw and trying to see where, where everyone was shaking out, but I probably would have wanted Cole Swider on Trace Jackson Davis to box that out. Right. 
you know, he Jim Bay, I've said this post game, Benny just didn't really jump. And the reason you have him there is because on yeah. paper, he's your best leaper on the team. Yeah. We've seen it when he's come over from the weak side and made these great blocks. But Benny's got a long way to go right now, unfortunately. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. goes back to the bench points where a typical game, I think this season is going to be eight guys with one of those guys playing five minutes and probably getting like 85 points, but maybe two or three points from your bench. Like it's kind of crazy, but that's just what we've come to expect. They scored 49 in the first half, didn't have a single bench point. And I know Jim Beheim talks about, well, other teams, they play five, six guys. Like you guys make too much of this, but Villanova, are you going to see in a little bit? Sure. But also other teams get something from their bench. Like Christian Lander comes in for Indiana and he's able to knock down a three in a big spot in the second overtime. And they were depleted too and dealing with injuries as well. And Trace Jackson Davis had to come out. So as much as Syracuse had to go to their bench, like it's amazing that they started that first overtime after blowing the game. I think Miller cop hits a three right away. And that's where, when we get back to is Syracuse going to win or not, I just sort of gave up because Right. There were several times where it felt like, all right, now now Syracuse is done. Now Indiana's done. And it just was a great college basketball game. Teams that blow games in the fashion that Syracuse did to close regulation don't end up winning those type of games. And, and not and having I think that, Jesse, too. And not having, I mean, yeah, and not having a guy who was maybe your most important player. I get Buddy's the best player, but but Jesse may have been your most important player a, from a defensive standpoint on Trace Jackson Davis, and B, I mean, did the guy work with Tim Duncan over the offseason? My goodness. <laughs> it's a super polished offensive game. We'll get to that later when we rank our MVPs. But I just look at this team and to see them have the resiliency to bounce back, not once but twice in this game, and go out and win it, win it in the end. That's not a game that Syracuse wins last year. They don't win that game the year before, but for them to go out and have this sort of performance and and have that sort of resiliency, I think it speaks to some of the veterans that they have, and it speaks to the killer that they have in Buddy Bayheim. Right. Every Syracuse team has always played hard, at least since I've been following, and that's one thing that we got to give Jim Bayheim credit for. But all right, let's get into the 1-3-1 or... 113, whatever it was that they changed up <laughs> on their defense in just a second. But college football fanatics, have you heard about prize picks? Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love it. I know you guys will as well. They offer more college football and college basketball props than anyone in the world and offer all kinds of star players, whether it's power five, also have mid-major players you might not have even ever heard of. So you can Try and find some sharp lines on those. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions, thrones, and all of the new users that deposit and use the promo code locked on will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Just be sure to use promo code locked on. You pick two to five players on an over under and their projection, you can win up to 10 times on any entry. It is just you versus the projected numbers. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com and use promo code LOCKEDON or go to your App Store and download the app today. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. 
Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So the defense switches to at the start of the game. Yeah. We'll call it a 1-3-1 because that's what it looked like to me. Then Bayheim postgame said, actually, it was more of like a 1-1-3. You know, I knew he was going to be snarky with it somehow. Sure. I he's knew gonna, I, I should have you guys. I know yeah, more than you. Yeah. yeah. He was going <laughs> to change the terminology up a little bit just so he could be right and you could be wrong. I, I knew he was going to get some sort of snark with it. And not say it was the the one three one, but whatever it was, we'll call it the one three one for our purposes here, since our, we our plebeian basketball brains don't match up to the great Jim Beheims. But I I really liked it. I, I thought it was a yeah. good little call. I mean, going into a game and you see Syracuse not break out into a two three zone, that's one way to rattle a team because Indiana looked rattled out of the gate. They did, and. It's interesting because it was a 1-3-1, but it seemed like it, the whole purpose of it was just to pre- prevent passes from getting to that high post area, from right. getting to the mm-hmm. middle. And that's something we talked about. It feels like there's a lot of bad stuff with this zone right now, but more than anything, it's just no resistance on getting to that high post. Once you get to the high post, it's pretty easy to expose the zone. And once there was a pass in there, then if Indiana kicked it back out to the wing, like Buddy would come up and play sort of his normal position. So credit to Buddy because I felt like it was asking a lot of him in terms of strategy and knowing the intricacies of the zone and all that. And there's probably not a lot of guys that you can trust with that responsibility. And I did think Buddy and then really the entire zone as a whole, why they won this game is they forced 25 turnovers. They get crushed on the glass again. But when you force those turnovers, that's something Beheim talks about is, it's really rebounds plus turnovers. That's what he looks at, not just the rebounding number. And they were active. And I thought Buddy really came out with a certain energy on defense that this team needs going forward. Well, here's the most important turnover number to me as well. It's Race Thompson. He he turned the ball over seven times in this game, and he was the guy that was manning that free throw line area. There were passes that were being driven down to Trace Jackson Davis that – they were able to get some hands on and and turn into some more orange possessions that way. And to me, that that shows the abilities of Jesse. I mean, he came away with five steals in this game. Maybe even felt like he had a few more that he should have been credited with as well. They were doing some really good things defensively, which is tough to say for a team that in regulation allowed, what was it, 88 points? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's tough to, to feel that way, but... It just kind of felt like there were times where they were in this one three one, then they abandoned it for a little bit. Indiana would go out, get eight nine points, and then they kind of drop back into it. And all of a sudden, they they'd fix some of those uh, miscues. So, I think Mike Woodson did a pretty good job too of countering at halftime. I mean, yeah, right out did. of the break, he, they were down sixteen at the halftime. I think it was, and then out of the halftime. He goes out there the first 10 minutes. They outscore Syracuse 30 to 11, get right back in the game. He takes the lead in the next 10 minutes. So that was pretty impressive to me. But I like having this ability to kind of have a changeup in your back pocket and go to something a little off speed that can throw teams off. But now this is on film. So they definitely did figure it out a little bit. And you hit on something there with Mike Woodson making an adjustment right out of halftime. That was definitely noticeable. They actually ran one play 
a couple times in a row where race Thompson would run out to the left elbow, catch it. And then they'd flip a quick pass weak side to Parker Stewart, who was wide open three or four times in a row. Mm -hmm. And he's a guy that's burned Syracuse in the past. We warned you about him on the uh, preview podcast and he was really good. He made a big three at the end of regulation where Torrance just didn't get out on him. And then you fast forward to the first overtime, or maybe it was the second overtime where Miller cop, has an opportunity to tie the game, and Buddy gets out on him too much, and it felt like that was Buddy yeah. trying to respond to what Torrance didn't do the first go-around, and whether that was a foul or not, I don't know, but it ended up being a foul, and Cop made the three free throws to put Joe Girard at the line to ice it with two games, or in that second overtime. Yeah, I mean, again, you're throwing in a new concept. I'd imagine this was probably installed a couple weeks ago, and you're trying to throw it out there in, in a really big game. It's it's tough, okay? There's obviously going to be growing pains. We talk about the growing pains with the 2-3. When you, you get to a different variation of it or a shell and go 1-3-1, one, one, yeah, there's going to be some growing pains there. And I, I'm still happy that there is a different sort of look that you can throw at teams now. Like, in the past, the different look has been the press, right? Yeah. This is completely different. I think it's going to disrupt teams that have good passing big men, and it's going to make that entry pass into the post a lot more difficult. When you go up against teams that have really good bigs, which you'll probably see a, a fair share of in Big Ten or in uh, ACC play. I mean, just think of Duke with, with Mark Williams and, and Paolo Bancaro. Like, you're going to need to have a guy from the wing that can – sort of facilitate the offense. And maybe they just end up moving the guy who's supposed to navigate the high post out to the wing. But if that guy can't shoot, then you're in trouble. So I like this little different variation of the defense that they threw out there. And I think it's going to be a good thing to have in their back pocket the rest of the season. And they definitely already had variations of the zone, but this is a more stark difference that when you're game planning out very different. Florida State, mm-hmm. you – I mean, you probably have to prepare for this now. And I don't know how much they're going to use it going forward. I do think once you see it for maybe three, four minutes, you can kind of adjust. And I don't think it's like bulletproof by any means, but it could rattle a team for three to four minutes. And when you're as bad as Syracuse is defensively, which by the way, their numbers continue to drop. Ken Palm 180 on defense. Bart Torvik, they're 211 on defense right now. So. It's not good. We know this. And this is another game, 88 points in regulation. Like, just somehow their offense is rising. Their offense is top 15 on Ken Palm last I looked right now. So that's good. But when you're as bad as Syracuse is defensively, maybe this is a year to throw in as many wrinkles as you can to the zone. Yeah. And again, this everything looks bad defensively in this game. But I don't look at these games and see them very much different than what we saw in Atlantis. The difference is the offense came to play. This is one of those games where we talked about it. When you're playing in the 80s and stuff like that, like you're going to have a chance in every single game, but that offense doesn't show up. You get those results that you see down in Atlantis. This is a game where the offense came to play. The defense did just enough, had some different little looks in there that they threw, um, forced a lot of turnovers, like you mentioned earlier. Some, you got some really timely play from Jesse. It's just, again, it all comes down to the foul trouble with him. Um, a bunch of guys fouled out in this game, both him and, and Cole Swider, and then three guys on the Indiana side of things fouled out as well. So I like the this new little wrinkle of the defense. I'm wondering, 
does Jim have a, a third, a fourth, a fifth iteration of this that he's going to throw out there at some point? Because I'd be really intrigued to see how this thing evolves. No doubt. We're going to rank our MVPs of the game because so many different players stepped up. Going to be a hard task to do in just a second. But Bet Online has you covered all season long. More props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues to march towards the playoffs. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all sports action this season. Head over to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code locked on, all one word, to receive that 50% welcome bonus. Basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, college hoops will even throw in there. It's all over on Bet Online. It is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the games start. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar. It is Built Bar filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, and high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. And they've got so many flavors you'll have a hard time choosing. Will you have the raspberry or the mint brownie, cherry or double chocolate? Cookies and cream, or Tim and my favorite, the peanut butter brownie, Built Bar gives you that extra feel you need to bust down those mall doors and battle all the holiday shoppers. Or if you're just standing in endless shopping lines, Built Bar can give you that something extra to keep you going. So throw one in your jacket or purse. You never know when you're going to need it because it's the season of peace and love. Don't bring up your favorite Built Bar flavor at family parties. People are so passionate about their favorite flavors, they'll fight for it, and things could get a little out of hand. And hey, if you're friends with Santa... Tell them to throw a few Built Bars in those stockings with so many flavors, they'd make anyone's Christmas morning a happy one. Want to cozy up with something warm? Here's a holiday secret. Dip your Built Bar into a piping hot cup of cocoa. My favorite. Wow. My absolute favorite. Good. Let it melt a little and give your beverage a bit of that Built Bar flavor. Plus, you'll have a nice melty Built Bar to go with it as well. Just be sure to have a couple napkins on hand. Like some of the marshmallowy treats around the holidays as well, you're going to need to get your hands on those Built Bar Puffs. They're light, fluffy, and marshmallowy through and through with different flavors and all covered in chocolate. They taste so good, you won't believe that they're also filled with protein. So go to Built.com, use our code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Again, Built.com, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. All right, time to rank the MVPs now from this one. Let's rank four. Is that a good number four for Four works for me. I've got a list of six here, but I will do okay. four. Actually, I've got a list of seven. Oh, wow. All but right, I, we can give I out will, some honorable will, mentions. Okay. We'll allow it. Um, but I'll start with my number four. That's Frank Anselm in this game. You can't give mm -hmm. him probably a top three spot because he didn't play maybe enough. He was a little shaky at times. It wasn't all good, but making it's perfect. For those four free throws, he is my yeah. number four. Because if I'm he doesn't you. make those four free throws, which, by the way, they were down 101 to 97, I think, when he first went yep. to the mm -hmm. line. He said he didn't even know the score afterwards. I saw James Zuba, our buddy, posted a video with him post game, But he maybe has made some tweaks to his free throw shooting. It's working. He was put in a really tough spot. Didn't get back on D on one critical possession that really hurt them with like 35 seconds left in one of the overtimes, but I'll give him credit for those free throws. Those were huge. I'm with you there on number four. I'm going to go with Frank Anselm as well. You know, it's one thing to make an adjustment. Like Mike McAllister said or tweeted out that he made an adjustment with his free throw shooting recently. It's one thing to make the adjustment. And you can attest to this as a golfer too. You make a little swing adjustment. It's one thing to make it in practice. 
Mm-hmm. But then to go out there and actually use it when you're down four in a double overtime game. Doesn't get more pressure it, packed. Yeah. Like, to trust the adjustment. It's going to feel uncomfortable when you're up there shooting that ball. For him to go out and actually use that adjustment, that to me shows a lot of maturity and a lot of confidence in what you're doing and what your coaches are helping you with as well. So I, I think that was really important. He got some big rebounds in overtime as well. Um, but you can't say enough about what Frank Swide or Fra- what Frank Anselm did in this game. He was fantastic towards the end of this one. Yeah, number three for me, I'll go with Jimmy, which he mm-hmm. had 26 points. So it's kind of crazy that he is number three. He goes four for nine from three. I just want to shout out his three-point shooting because he's 10 yeah. for 22 on the season now. That's almost 46% from three. You look back at his recent history. Now, he didn't play last year for Cornell because the Ivy League had the ban, but the year before that, he was 29% in his last full season from three for Cornell. And I think he's really benefiting from the fact that you can maybe take away one or two shooters. You can't take away three or four. And he's the one out of the four that is getting clean looks. It takes a little bit for a shot to get fully through his form, but it doesn't matter because he's starting out games great. And that's been huge. And he's also knocking down threes when he gets the opportunity. Took the words right out of my mouth. Jimmy's my number three as well, and I was going to make the same exact points there because you talk about how you can't take away three or four shooters, and maybe he is a little bit slow on his windup, but when you're trying to take care of guys like Buddy and Joe mm-hmm. and even Cole, I know Cole struggles has struggled all season long from three, but teams are still going to respect him from three-point land the entirety of the season. That gives Jimmy that little bit of extra second to get that shot going. So... You can live with that shot form because guess what? He's got the time to shoot it that way and to see the improved three-point numbers. You know, it almost reminds me of we were told every year, hey, Marek's going to develop that three-pointer. He's going to develop that three-pointer. And a lot of people made the comp with Jimmy and being that Marek sort of guy heading into this season. Hey, this is Marek with the three-pointer to a degree, it feels like. Maybe not quite the rebounding numbers, maybe not quite the defender, but offensively, this is the guy who's got the three-pointer. And how about the pass he made to set up mm-hmm. Joe Girard for the game-winning free throws? That was an absolute laser. I mean, that that right there was a picture-perfect pass. You could not have done that much better. Indiana going press there at the end, I mean, we, we kind of skipped over that, but that was kind of odd to me. I don't know about you, but it let Syracuse get in transition. A couple of really nice passes, and then tic-tac-toe, you get Joe Girard at the free-throw line with like 0.8 seconds left you're probably not going to win that game if you're Indiana. Yeah, the mistake Indiana made there is they just hacked Gerard. They have to know that he's not great at making layups in traffic. His two-point field goal percentage, all that, isn't great, and they put him on the line when the refs were pretty prone to calling those type of fouls. But, yeah, big game from Jimmy. He's also given them a lot as a creator, kind of similar to Buddy where it's not the prettiest, not the quickest off-the-dribble moves, but – He's yeah. getting to his spots and he's making plays. He's making some tough layups clock, too. Yeah, when the shot he's clock's going down, he's one of the best guys they got right now and making some stuff happen. Number two for me, Jesse, who we have not talked about enough on this podcast. Yeah. And that's because it was such a wild game, but he did it again. His last three games, I'll give you some numbers here 18.3 points per game, 
He's 23 for 26 from the floor in his last three games. 6.3 rebounds. Maybe that could go up a little bit, but we're nitpicky now. 2.0 blocks per game, and I think they short-side him some blocks in this game. Yeah, I saw Mike Waters tweeting about that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so he's 7 for 7 in this one. He's shooting 81.9%, 36 for 44 from the floor. That's second in the nation, I believe. His offensive rating on Ken Palm, again, that's talking in Spanish to some people, but it's up to fourth best in the nation. Bottom line is it's good. It's leading the It's ACC an efficiency still. metric. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he's playing the best that any center has played for Syracuse since Rakeem Christmas right now. I'm ready to say that. I know Barama had a nice little run that everyone likes to talk about at the end of his last season that he was healthy, but this is Jesse doing it on both ends, doing it highly efficient. He's just got to stay out of foul trouble. That's the only thing. Yeah. He, he had one foul. I think his first foul came with about three minutes left in the the first half. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, we got Jesse with one foul heading into halftime. Like, take that and run to the bank. He's going to play the whole game. And what do you know? He's fouled out before you know it. And that's the thing is, and Jim told him before that final foul, when he checked him back in, hey, don't foul. Don't foul. We'll we'll give him the two. Yeah, we'll give him the two. We need you too much. Because and then to see he gets him that rebound at the end of the game, and we don't yeah. have to go to overtime. Right. And, and I, I mean, what can you say? We'll stop bashing him here, but what can you say about what, what he's done? Like, this is sustainable, too. Just from, like, my what my eyes are telling me when I'm watching him, that's a polished offensive game. That is a legitimately polished offensive game. He's got a really soft touch around the rim because not all of these shots that he puts up are direct swishes through the like those high arcing hook shots that swish through like we kind of see with Jimmy Bayheim. No, this touches every part of the rim, and what that tells me is you you're getting down that big man's touch down in the low block. He has a defined, polished offensive game now, and when you're seven feet tall and doing the things that he's doing, that's going to be damn tough to stop throughout the season. He is a yeah. legitimate offensive threat, and everything that he's doing right now is sustainable. I'm not saying he's going to go out there and score 17 points a game, but it's at the point now where I'm going to be disappointed if he's not getting a dozen every single game because he's exactly. legitimately got that. And, and he, look, he, he can catch the ball. I mean, what is this revelation? These two things, <laughs> pause, he's using them. And right. he's going up making dunks. I think we'll see some more lobs coming his way as well. I, I'm just, I, I tweeted last night. I, words can't explain how giddy I am. To see Jesse Edwards developed on that end of the floor. It's it's unbelievable. It's so, so fun to watch. Shout out Tim Duncan, I guess, for those offseason workouts. I know. Because it's Well, no, seriously, like, shout out Griff. Shout out Griff's ability to to develop a big man. I mean, did he enter the chat for the the Bayheim successor uh, job now? Uh, I wouldn't get carried away. I mean, (laughs) the development that he's done, I I think he's gunning for something here. Yeah, well... It's amazing because you just said you expect him to get a dozen every night. I totally agree. You look back, he played 40 games before this season. Or if you count the first game from this year, which he put up a career-high 11 points in, in his first 40 games, he had reached double figures twice in his career. Last three games, he scored at least 17 points each time out. And if he doesn't score in double figures against Florida State, I'll be disappointed. And all of a sudden, it's just like, maybe we're overreacting, but I don't think so. I think you're right. It's sustainable based on what we're seeing. The eye test tells you it's sustainable, 100%. So, number one, not much drama here, but Buddy has to be the number one MVP, I think. After what we saw, the way he took over that second overtime, 
I hit on a lot of this earlier, but he also did a lot of stuff on defense, some closeouts that I thought were very aggressive, the right yep. type of energy that this defense needs going forward. I, I'm with you there. He, he Listen, he had a couple of bad plays as well, like following the three-point shooter, which we talked about. And, and But I thought you're right. He was very active defensively. He had five steals in this game as well to go along with eight assists. Like He did some things that I think kind of flew under the radar in the box score as well. And when he took over in that double overtime period, I mean, first of all, what a treat that we had to get all American on one side versus all American on the other side. And it was just battle of the Titans there. They were going back and forth, back and forth. It was a great game, great effort to watch. And Buddy Beheim's the one that came out on top in this game. Listen, you're going to have only so many all American caliber versus all American caliber sort of matchups throughout the season. Buddy Beheim won this one. And I think that's a big, big thing for him in the national spotlight. He was epic in that second overtime, getting to that spot on the baseline, the little fade. Guys can't guard that, all right? Like, Buddy's got a couple shots in his arsenal. Guys cannot guard. It's just a matter of if it goes in or not. And I was worried once you get to those double overtimes, the legs get a little heavy, you get a little bit tired, you're maybe a little slower on your delivery. Nope, didn't matter. He was getting that to that spot every single time, and the shot was never even close to short. I don't know if he hit a rim once in double overtime. Yeah, he was really good, really good on a lot of tired legs, you'd imagine, and I can't say played enough. 50 just, minutes. 50 yeah. minutes. I, I'd have to double-check, but he's probably played the most minutes of any player in a single game this season. Yeah, maybe, and he'll probably run it back for 38 more against Florida State, and we need him each and <laughs> every night. Only because- 38. Well, I mean, he's probably averaging, what, like 35 until that game? He, yeah. he comes out for a little bit in that first half when they do the Torrance-Gerard lineup, it seems like. But, yeah, I think Gerard, final note, really, for me, we haven't yeah. talked a lot about him. He was rough in the first half, had four first-half turnovers. Yeah. His turnover rate, just real quick, that's a Ken Palm stat. It's a 26.0, just to put in perspective, yeah. that's 88 out of 94 eligible players in the ACC. And the concerning thing for me is his turnover rate as a freshman was 15. His turnover rate as a sophomore was 19. Small sample size here in his junior year, but 26. I know he's going up against tight pressure, but Florida State's another pressure team coming up. Yeah, and Nova will be too right after that. The the thing that concerns me is he was so good early. He was so good, and now you're just seeing these numbers balloon over the last couple of games. And And yeah, you're right. It is probably, but like one of the things that we said this year was, okay, what is going to be the key? It's going to be Joe Girard's ability to play the the true point guard role. Mm -hmm. Can he play the true point guard role for this team? And uh, taking care of the basketball is a big part of playing the true point guard role on this basketball team. So yeah, that's a little worrisome for me. Um, But hey, he came back in the second half and had a hell of a second half. He only turned the ball over once in that second half and he he got some threes to go. A lot of no, 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 yes shots out of him as well. Um, the Sienna tweets were flying last night. I, I love our guy, uh, Zach, who always tweets at us, uh, with the Sienna stuff. Love that. He, he commits to the bit with us. So I, I appreciate mm-hmm. you, Zach. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was a really rough first half, but he turned it around and you got to credit him because guess what? Syracuse needed some of those threes. They needed some of those big shots because they struggled in the second half. But Gerard was kind of there to pick things up, get a timely bucket if need be. And he ends up icing the game with those two free throws at the end. Got to credit him for that. And you always feel good when Joe Gerard's going to the free throw line. Yep. 
All right, well, that is our recap of an awesome basketball game against Indiana. We'll probably be back tomorrow discussing more basketball, I'm sure. Maybe some more Twitter big thoughts. picture stuff. There was a lot of a lot Twitter thoughts yes. were flying last night. We got to get some, to those. Some Twitter thoughts for sure. We'll hear from your guys' thoughts. If you haven't gotten in your thoughts, tweet at us right now at LO underscore Syracuse. We'll get to those. But that's going to wrap it up for the Wednesday episode. We'll be back with you guys in your podcast feeds tomorrow morning, wherever you get them. Totally free and available on YouTube as well. So we'll talk to you guys then. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.